So what's the big problem with wealth creation? How do people like us, who didn't inherit a boatload of money, who are investing and building wealth from our own blood, sweat and tears, how do we invest in a way that gives us remarkable results and become financially free before retirement age? I don't know about you, but I am sick of hearing from wealth gurus and experts who don't walk their own talk and prescribe strategies that are a one-size-fits-all approach. For self-made people like you and me, I'm here to tell you that you don't need to be superhuman or already wealthy to reach financial freedom earlier than 65. This is the Alternative Investing Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, I want to get some clarity on how you can better frame up your ambition and goals. Because although financial freedom is a very powerful motivator of investing behaviors, I want to just give you a few cautionary tales to help you reflect and refine those definitions a little better. I caught up recently with an old friend of mine whom I haven't seen for probably well over 10 years. And he's someone who has this phenomenally sweet energy and happens to come from a family where he's now the third generation of recipient of family wealth. They have wealth, which I would hazard a guess is worth in excess of $50 million. There's a huge volume of commercial property, a lot of passive income, a lot of extended members of the family with all their fingers and thumbs in the pie. And unfortunately, the situation that he faces is as one of the leaders of this family, he has to try and steer the ship. But in so many ways, his wings are clipped. He can't make decisions without getting other sign-offs. He can't make decisions about how to best use the capital. He can't make decisions about how to leverage. And effectively, uh, you know, in many ways, his father has left him in charge of uh, an empire, if you like, that's actually in a lot of ways um, starting to deteriorate. His frustration after running this or trying to run this ship for the last 15 or so years is that he is completely hamstrung. And he reflects that perhaps a decision could have been made many years ago, maybe 20 years ago, to actually start building wealth in his own name so that he didn't have this complete nuisance around his neck. In a lot of ways, he described almost an appreciation of those people who build wealth from scratch and, you know, to some degree felt that perhaps he should have done something similar. And the reason I'm sharing this story with you is it's very easy to look at other people, particularly wealthy individuals, and just assume that they have it easy. Just assume that that is the kind of the goalpost. That is what we should be aspiring for. But after 10 years of coaching and mentoring a lot of people in the wealth space, particularly high net worth individuals, the one thing I'm absolutely concrete about is that when you do pull back the curtain, what can often seem like the perfect life, the perfect house, family, cars, holidays, all all of the rest, often there is some masked pain or compromise or price that that person has had to pay in order to achieve the wealth that they have. Um, I'm sure many of you have come across people who have, even on the entrepreneurial front, burnt themselves to a crisp in order to achieve business success. So that's kind of the the frame up for today. What I actually want to do today is give you something very pragmatic. I want you to take this opportunity as the year draws to an end to think about what is next for you on the wealth building front. So there's two primary questions that I'm going to encourage you to think about. Number one, what have you got 
and what has it taken to get there? Now, this is partly an exercise in gratitude, but I am still completely gobsmacked at the number of people, especially high net worth individuals who do not track even a simple balance sheet. You have your accountants that prepare your tax returns. Then you've sort of got, you know, maybe a financial planner who's tracking your superannuation. There's a whole series of assets and you might have your fingers in many pies. So a lot of people don't have a single place where they define what it is they have. There's so many reasons for this. It's a, it's a very valuable exercise, both personally, but also can provide a, a, a bit of a, if you like, a, a summary for greater members of the family should anything happen to you. So it's a super valuable exercise. And, and once you are looking at what you have, what are the assets you have, what are the debts you have, what is your net worth, what is left over if you had to liquidate everything. It will give you a deep appreciation of what actions and thinking have you taken to date to get you where you are. Now, I'm asking you to come at this with a kind of a, a sense of gratitude um, rather than, you know, being heavy handed with yourself and saying, well, I should be further ahead. But, you know, we all make the best decisions that we have with the resources that we have at the time, given our skill set. So, the first thing I'm going to say is reflect on what you have and where you you are and take the time to document it. The second question that I want you to ask yourself, and this is probably the most important piece, and I want you to really put some energy into this, is what you want and what is enough. So the question is, what is it that you want and what is enough? Now, in the case of my friend, he never really took the time to ask that question. And now, you know, 20 or 30 years into his career as a professional investor, he's reflecting that had he asked himself that question, he might have made some better decisions. So let me give you some guidance and some you know, some concrete examples here. So most people have heard of Bernie Madoff. So Bernie Madoff is famous for having run one of the most notorious Ponzi schemes since Charles Ponzi himself. He is described in a lot of sources as being the largest Ponzi scheme in history. And he basically robbed people of almost $65 billion. There are a number of celebrities that invested with him, a number of people who were pretty astute investors who felt that his experience and what he had done meant that he was a good person to align with. Now, the thing to be, you know, mindful of is that before he started that Ponzi scheme, he was actually a wildly successful and legitimate businessman. Um, he was making anywhere from 25 to $50 million a year. And the really strange part about Bernie Madoff is he just, his greed and his inability to say, well, this is what, you know, is enough for me, caused him to chase after some ridiculous pie in the sky sum of money where he risked pretty much everything he had. So, you know, I guess the lesson that, you know, I've heard shared many times over the last uh, few years by very astute investors is don't risk what you don't need with things that you have. So, don't risk what you have a need for what you don't have and don't need. Now, one of the biggest culprits of this problem is, you know, all of the social media and the reporting that goes on glamorizing what wealth looks like. This idea that you've got to keep up with the Joneses, whether it's real or imagined, and that torments so many people. So, you have to notice when you feel it and you have to school yourself on bringing your attention and awareness back to where you are and what you want. You know, building wealth is really, I would say, an internal game. It's a game of you against you. The number of 
things that we can do to self-sabotage our wealth efforts is extraordinary. And that includes not making good decisions about the care and stewardship of your money in the today. Are you creating surplus? Are you educating yourself on investment opportunities? Are you surrounding yourself with people who are helping you pay a bigger game? All those things are, are important considerations. But the point I'm trying to make is that it's really, really important that you put a stake in the sand and say, this is our definition or this is my definition of enough because it is a natural human tendency to want to actually move the goalposts and change your definition of enough. Now, I am fortunate enough to be in a position and I have clients who I support who have you know, hit that baseline uh, goal of what they need in order to be financially free. And it's okay for them to you know set the next uh, goal for the next summit but they would never jeopardize what it is that they have already created in order to get to that next level so there's nothing wrong with growing the game and kind of you know leveling up but what you should be doing is setting a stake in the sand for what is your baseline goal and then taking all the actions, getting the education, having the thinking and mindset to get to that initial level. Because when you have enough passive income coming in that you have the choice about whether you get out of bed in the morning, and you know, obviously I'm, I mean that figuratively, not necessarily literally, when you have the choice to spend your time to have the impact in the community that you want to have, that is life-altering wealth. And I think too often, and we're quick to kind of hit some small goal and then dismiss the goal. So that's a really important piece. I think where I want to leave this episode, this one is meant to be short and sharp, is, you know, when we're talking about wealth building, um, and if I think about my friend, there are always compromises that need to be made sometimes in order to achieve what you want. The question is, what are you prepared to compromise? If you are prepared to compromise lifestyle, you are putting yourself in the best possible position of creating wealth for the future. But if you go too far, then you starve your lifestyle and you have no enjoyment. The journey becomes difficult to endure. And, you know, you might, you, you know, you're trying to create a financial future for yourself that, you know, maybe you get there, maybe you don't. So the, the biggest tension that you face as an investor is making that conscious choice of where on that spectrum you want to sit. So the question I want you to reflect on is not only what do you want, but get really granular about what you're prepared to compromise, what you're prepared to give up in order to get there. Now, I know in my own case, I never had an extraordinary income. So the decisions that I had to make about delayed gratification were pretty stringent. In the early days, it was about, you know, letting go of the fancy things in life, you know, living in the same house for two or three times longer than most people before, you know, upgrading, you know, having secondhand cars, buying secondhand toys, like all of those things when we were, we were a young couple were what gave us the fuel to get going. Now everything takes on a life of its own. And now we're in that sort of strange position that we're probably going to have more, way more than we need. So now the decisions are around, well, how do we want to use that wealth for impact? But until you get clarity on what it is that you're prepared to compromise, it's hard to get to that next level. So as part of this exercise of defining what is enough, the exercise I want you to do is this. I want you to get a sheet of paper. On one side, I want you to do question one, which was what have you got? Like document a back of the envelope type balance sheet for yourself. What are your assets? What are your liabilities? Count everything. The second thing that I want you to do on the other side is a bit of a reflection on what is it you're prepared 
to compromise on to get to that next level, to get to that baseline goal. And I want you to pull apart those two things. I've talked about this in other podcast episodes, but document again for yourself. What is your baseline goal? What is the amount of money that you would need coming in in order to be free to choose how you spend your time. If you also then want to set an aspirational goal, be my guest. But the big part around this is asking yourself the question, what are you prepared to give up? What are you prepared to risk? Because if you can answer those questions, then you can get absolute clarity on which asset classes are congruent with that and which ones are not. If the objective for you is I absolutely want to get to financial independence in the next three to five years, then you start looking at investments which are going to generate that predictable cash flow stream for you, which may rule out other asset classes. So anyway, guys, I guess I want to leave you again by emphasizing this is an exercise in running your own race. What I would say to you is you do have to be very careful what you wish for because if you set your goals based on the appearance of what other people have, you may find yourself in for a nasty surprise. Till next time, take care. You've been listening to the Alternative Investing Podcast. If you're feeling frustrated that despite doing everything right in the property investing playbook and you're no closer to financial freedom, then head on over to inkosiwealth.com to learn more about how you can use alternative investments to catapult your investing income and blend strategies to shave decades off your timeline to financial freedom. See you on the next episode.